you that we can come together and grow, help plant those seeds of faith in our heart that we might take root, we might find nourishment and grow into the vibrancy and love that's to be shared with all the world. And may the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our God. Amen. Amen. So if this is not your first Sunday with us, one of the things you might notice I read out of a Bible instead of my iPad, which also is a Bible. But my Bible that I had that I left over there is a green Bible. And we are in a series on the green Bible, a trail guide. And the idea with it is that some of you might have heard of red letter Bibles. It's the Bibles that have words in red that are words that Jesus has said. So they've gone through and they've highlighted the words that are actually Jesus' words in hope to encourage the things that Jesus focused on in his life and ministry. Well, the Green Bible is similar, but it covers the breadth of the entire Bible, and it focuses on the times when the writers or Jesus himself are talking about something in agrarian terms or talking about our connection to the land. It's a, it's a way in remembering that how we understand the Bible is connected to the earth. And let me, let me tell you this. This is like the walk away with this. I believe that if you know more about our connection to the earth, you will know more about the Bible in general and specifically Jesus' words and what they mean for us each day. That if you, the more you know about how we connect to the land, the more you'll be able to understand Jesus' words himself. Okay, got that? So I'm going to date myself a tiny bit. Um, for some of you, you're like, oh, Brian, how can you date yourself? But for some of you that are just a little bit younger than me, you have missed this cinematic window of time where they had a few sequels um, of this movie called City Slickers. Anyone ever see that? Yeah, yeah. Some of you remember this movie. I mean, it came up when I was in like junior high, I think, or I don't remember when it was, but it was popular for us to watch. It was a movie. Yeah, Bree's with it. She's like the same age as me. Like, we're good. She's got it. So thank you for that acknowledgement. But the idea was that these people from the city, they go out into the country and they become like cowboys. And they have this like whole journey of figuring out like who they are and how they live. And it's just hilarious because they just like clearly know nothing about like living in the wild and being out in nature. And I say that because a few weeks ago I was in Minnesota and I grew up uh, in a small town in Minnesota and small town in Minnesota back when I was growing up in the 80s and early 90s, you know, you like roamed around the town, right? It wasn't like, you know, you had to stay in your little neighborhood. I would like walk halfway across the town on my or bike or there. We would just be all over. We'd be catching crawfish and the creek in my backyard, and we'd go all do these other things. And every weekend in the summer, we would go up to my parents' lake home, or not my parents, my grandparents' lake home up in Wisconsin, just on the border. And we would spend the weekend just doing stuff outside. There's no TVs. It wasn't allowed unless it was raining. And so it was just like we were outside playing and we were, you know, get paid to hunt the red squirrels because they dug in the foundation of the house. So I'm not just being mean. So there was a reason my grandma wanted me to do it. I was being told to do it. And we were just like running in the areas and we had some boundaries because there was the neighbors that were, you know, you just wanted to stay away from them and things like that. But we knew everywhere we would go. And, and just like the back of our hand, we would just be kind of going around. And so I was there. I took the kids. Uh, my wife, Ashley, she's in this intensive nursing program. So she stayed home and I took our kids up to the cabin 
um, for a few days. And I was like, yes, we're going to be outside. And, you know, they caught a fish for the first time and, like, still, like, reels in this bass, like, first reel in. And they're so excited. They're amped. You know, they're, they're city slickers. Like, let's be honest, right? Like, they have grown up in Honolulu and in Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill area, right? Not too country. But they had had some country experiences. I got them a bow and arrow, right? I was, like, excited. They could, like, shoot it safely with, like, nothing around, right? I know. It was very, you know, this is an open area, right, Wisconsin. So they got them a bow and arrow, and, you know, they're doing it, and they're getting better and better. It's a little dinky thing, and they have to, like, aim it, like, high up to get it, like, 50 feet. And all of a sudden, like, I'm up on the balcony and uh, of the cabin, and then we see Hudson kind of, like, aiming off, and it goes way farther than he expected, and it goes into the woods. And he's so devastated because the new bone arrow lost his arrow, right? And so he just can't, like, oh, gosh. But he's so nervous to, like, get into the, like, like the plants area that he's like, Dad, can you help? Can you do it? And, and friends, I'm sorry. My Minnesota roots fell off for a little bit because I, I, too, got nervous, right? Like, I was, like, trying to go in, and I couldn't remember what poison ivy looked like. I know it was back there somewhere, and, like, you know, I was like, ah, there's snakes again, and there's other things that I have to worry about, right? And so I'm, like, kind of, like, sneaking through, like, trying to find this thing. And it was in that moment that I recalled that I have lost some connection to this place that I have once been in. But you know that feeling, right, when you perhaps go back to your hometown if you didn't grow up in Kailua, and it's like the, it's not, the buildings might have changed, but the hills are the same, right? The, the river that runs through town is there, and there, there's this, this nostalgia of like going back if you are a transplant to your hometown, that everything kind of just like starts to flood your memory, and you remember those times that you were out kind of exploring with friends and being in the creek, unless you're a city slicker, you know, you just stayed in town all the time. But anyway, the idea is that like there's something about the landscape and the land that connects us deeper than you know, the ways that we normally connect in, like, city areas. And I say all of that because that sort of memory and recollection of the land and what we do on the land is invaluable for how we read the Scripture. Jesus, throughout the Gospel of Matthew, has, like, 20 to 30 parables. I forgot. I read it. I counted down and left in my notes. But half of the parables that he has are about two things— food or the land. He tells a parable about the yeast, and so just a little bit of yeast in the bread, you know, or in the dough will make the whole thing rise. He talks about wine and wineskin. He, he talks about the parable of the sower. He also goes on to talk about the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, right? And for those of us that like know nothing about plants and how they grow and some of those things, like it just goes like way over our heads, right? Like, like for example, I just was like mustard seed, sure, a little plant and it grows, right? Uninterpretation beyond something that's small and grows, which is like how we interpret it, that Jesus says the kingdom of God starts little and then it just kind of grows, is that also in that area, it was also considered kind of a weed. <laughs> that people didn't like the mustard seed because it would just like take over the entire hillside, right? It's like the ivy or, you know, maybe even the monstera or whatever it is that just like kind of will eat anything in its path and cover it. And so, it changes just a little bit how you view the kingdom of God from being this like quaint little like 
seed that grows into this plant where birds chirp in it and they nest to being like a, you know, kind of like, you know, disruptive plant that just kind of keeps on growing and like you got the birds and the birds are making too much noise and like who the heck planted that mustard seed anyway, right? You know, that changes how we view the kingdom of God as it relates to the Bible. You will understand Jesus's words more, I said at the beginning, if we remember our connection to the land and what it's like to live in it. We had vacation Bible school this past week, and I talked about that. And vacation Bible school, we talked about growing. Our theme was simple. It was, God wants us to grow, just like all of creation. But we also thought it was important to talk about the seeds, not just the seeds, but what that growth looks like and how that relates to God and to our lives of faith. Last week, we talked about finding God in creation. That was the topic of the sermon. And I tasked some of us to go out and to not just see God's beauty, but to wonder for a minute, what, what does that beauty or what does the creation that you're perhaps focusing on teach us about God? And that's what we asked of our keiki. What about this like cycle of a seed and growth teaches us about God? And in fact, there's quite a bit that we can learn where it referenced that seeds are small, right? And they're planted. And just like Jesus's words that like the kingdom of God starts small, so, so do the seeds. But according to the parable of the sower, it's also important to consider where we plant them. So we walked around our campus and we looked at the kakui nuts and the tamarind, and we looked at the various seeds on our property. And we said, well, what, what are we finding and why are they dropping? But also, where would they have to go if they wanted to grow? And, you know, we went to the concrete, and we talked about what that would look like, and we found some rocks, and we talked about what that would look like, and we threw it in the weeds, or said, what if we threw it in the weeds? What would that look like? Eventually, we all came to terms that, you know, when we plant the seed, we should plant it in good soil, right? It seems so simple, but how do we prepare ourselves in faith? to receive God's news? Are we, you know, going to hear something new and immediately be like, I don't know about that, and like let the thorns kind of come in and Pastor Brian's off his rocker talking about the Green Bible lately? Or are we going to open ourselves to the possibilities that God might be teaching us something? And then I got up here and I was crazy and I spilled a bunch of water up here and I talked about the chaos of life. I had a big bowl of water to our kids and it was like going all over the place a little bit. And we talked about how in the beginning, God breathed over the primordial deep and what was rocky and wavy all of a sudden with God's spirit breathed over the water became calm and peaceful and brought forth life. And I told the story of Jesus on the boat with the disciples and how, you know, he falls asleep and a storm comes and it's going everywhere. But if we are rooted in God's love, right? Because that's the next step, right? Seeds, plant. And then what do they do? They don't sprout up first. They go down first. And for just as much up here we see, there's just as much below. And we talked about how we must be rooted. And what it means to be rooted is that, you know, when the chaos of life comes and it like feels out of control, just like when Jesus 
calms the waters. And when God calms the water of the primordial deep, being rooted in God's love helps us manage and weather the storms that come in our way. Because they're going to come our way. Day two, we talked about nutrients and how essential they are to grow. And one of the things that we talked about how is that, you know, I have the story of Stella, and she's not here, so I'm going to tell it. We were up at camp a few weeks ago, and for whatever reason, all my kids had been wanting to get Venus flytraps. They were, like, so excited about a plant eating something. I mean, it was, like, it was like the beginning of summer situation. And, you know, Stella didn't get to go to camp as a camper. She's my youngest. She just finished kindergarten. But she got to tag along with me while I was chaplain. So she was there, but she couldn't participate in everything. And they're, like, getting to know the other cabins. And so I took her out, and we went and got snacks at the store up at Haleiwa. And there we are, like, right about to check out. And she's got her chips and stuff. And, and then also she goes, Dad! And then she points over there. And out of all places, Malama's Market up in uh, Haleiwa had these Venus flytraps right there. You know, who knew? And she gets it. And she is just so excited. She tells everyone about it. She's just so stoked on it. And she brings it home. And, you know, she starts watering it and taking care of it. And then she forgets about it for a few days, right? And that, like, happy Venus flytrap then, like, gets sad. (laughs) Then she remembered it again. And then she, like, you know, starts doing it. And then the next part of the story I just told because I thought it was true that had just she forgot about it and died. But then she corrected me when I was teaching it in the class. And she said, no, Dad, I planted it in the landscaping. So, but she forgot where she planted it. So it didn't get watered, and she forgot about it, and it didn't get the nutrients it needed. We can get so excited about our growth in our lives and forget that nutrients needs regular maintenance, right? Stan, he was the uh, 95-year-old Japanese man at Kilohana United Methodist Church. And I love Stan. And one of the things that Stan would always do is show up at my door with like cherries or cherry tomatoes from his garden or, you know, basil or different things. He just like bring it for us. And, and as he's like kind of mending to the landscape around Kilohana United Methodist Church, which is over in Huaikai, he would always say, Pastor Brian, Plants need their cake too, right? As he pours some fertilizer in. And I just tell that because it's so cool that he always talks about cake and, you know, that. But, like, the idea is that you have to feed plants regularly. You have to water them regularly. We, for growth in our life, can't just read the Bible one time and then, you know, wait a year and then dust it off the shelf. We can't just go to that service project and, you know, pat ourselves on the back and said, yay, we did our thing for the other. That the way we grow in our faith is through regularity and practice that leads its way into habits, right? I mean, that is like gardening 101. You don't just like let it go forever because then it becomes more work after the fact. And then we talked about the pokies or the thorns, right? And we talked about the fact that all of us, all of us, no matter what, I had all the adults and volunteers raise their hand. I told a story about how, well, I, I first told the story, told a story about how I, I did really bad on this test in high school. And I had asked my dad about it. And my dad was not the one to usually, you know, like he was quick to take away something if I had done something wrong. And so I was afraid he was going to like take away hockey practices or I don't know what it was. And he surprised me with saying, there's always another test, right? And the grace that he was offered reminded me that all of us, fail, right? And we asked our, our, all of our uh, 
volunteers to raise your hand, and you can do it now. Raise your hand if you've done worse on a test than you thought you were going to do, right? Raise your hand if you forgot an assignment or due date for work that you were supposed to get done, right? And we all raise our hands, right? But the thing is, is that our kids often don't see the failures. They see us doing great or think we're doing great all the time. And so we need to remind them that the thorns are part of life and that God gives us everything we need to move past them eventually and that we have to find ways to get them out. But thorns happen, falls happen. And then the last thing we talked about was that if we start with the seed, the seed takes root, the seed grows through nutrient, being nourished, and then we have thorns that we might experience in life or pruning that needs to happen. Well, what happens with the seed eventually? Eventually, the seed becomes a fruit, right? Eventually, trees, flowers, fruit. But what's the purpose of the fruit? To bear seeds that then become more. What's the purpose of our faith after all? The love of God that gets planted in us in the good soil that we have prepared and then that we've taken root, that we can calm and weather storms, that grows through the nourishment and that handles the life's thorns. What's all that purpose? It's not for us. We grow in the process, but the purpose of it is to go there for and to plant more seeds to bear more fruit. The seed becomes fruit, which then becomes more seeds. And we made these little bags. We put like some snacks in them and they colored on them. And we said, these bags are for you to take to give to someone that you think might need it. And it was hilarious. And someone said, can I eat the snacks? <laughs> and then we had to repeat ourselves and say, no, the snacks aren't for us. They're for someone else. But how often do we say, can I eat the fruit, right? How often do we just like kind of get to that part and then we're like, that's good. I'm growing. I'm like, you know, doing better. I have more joy in my life, more fulfillment in my life. But that's not the end. The end is to give it away and to give it to the world. This is like basic botany, right? Like 101. I did not have to focus very deeply on the inner working of a seed, going from seed to fruit. But it teaches us about our faith, does it not? The more we know about the land and our connection to the land, the more we can grow in our faith. At annual conference this year, which is the gathering of the United Methodist Church, we gathered and they did this interesting thing that some people are doing more often, is that they had a Native American stand up in front and lead us in a time of remembrance of the land and the people that, ha that were on the land prior to us when we were there. And so they remembered the tribe and they remembered their connection to the land around us before we began the work of being together. I wonder, for all the places that we've been in life, do we think about our connection to the land? And not just the connection to the land, but its history also. 
one of the greatest gifts that I had last week during VBS is that we've been partnering more and more with a nonprofit that manages Uupoheao next door. And so we got to go down and we got to go there and show them the renewal work that's happening here in Kailua on this land. And some of our kids didn't know what the word Aina meant. Some of our kids didn't know the name of Koinui. Some of our kids were ready to go run up on the heiau and just climb the rocks. So we taught them. Sue, Auntie Sue, had been doing weaving classes, and so she was proud to show them their hala tree, and she showed her hat, and she lifted it up and said, it came from that. And it puts context to the things that we do. And we can learn more, and that's what we talked about. If God wants to renew us and renew creation, how do we partner with the community around us to do it? And, and it's beautiful if you have an opportunity to go down to Ulupo, where we're going to have a work day in a few weeks, and you can see the work that they're doing on Kwainui, and you can literally see how it, the way it was, which was a wetland, right? The, the fishing pond that, you know, nourished so much of this side of the island. It wasn't filled with all the shrubs and the trees and the things that you see there. Now it was like a vast lake. And so... Now they're starting to take it out bits by bits. I mean, they don't have like a hundred, you know, it's like a hundred feet diameter space that they're doing, right? But it's a lot of work, but you start to see what it looks like to renew creation through the work they're doing. And you can learn about our land and about how we can live here more sustainably. Learning the land helps us know more about Jesus's words. Because Jesus was undeniably interconnected with the land. So much of what he had to say to us was talking about farming or talking about food that's immediately from the farm. The Bible has it too. So my charge for you this week is on the back of the bulletin, I have some more verses that we can add. So read those verses. But my charge for you this week is to maybe go out and actually do something in the land. Yesterday, as I was preparing my sermon, I was like, you know, doing my normal sermon prep thing, which is reading my book and sitting inside somewhere. It was in my room with AC because it was blazing hot yesterday, right? But then I, I got to a point in my sermon and I was like, maybe this is wrong that I'm like preparing my sermon like inside. And so I decided that I was going to start working on the landscaping around the house. And so my sermon then shifted from that to actually doing what I was talking about, right? I went out and planted some stuff and mended to the garden, so to speak. Maybe go out and do that. Very, at very least, is go out and see the plants that were planted during VBS. Just on your way kind of to the meditation garden. Don't go up to Kellaway, but go over there. And there's a section of our meditation garden that's been renewed. Stu Reinhardt came in with the team, and they tilled it all up, and they got the soil ready, and the soil was good. And then he gave us plants, and we helped the kids plant. We broke the roots off from the pots and put it in the ground. And that's the day we talked about weathering the storm because we had roots. Knowing and being connected to the land helps us. Last thing I'll say is many of us are transplants. 
And I remember when I was in North Carolina, uh, one of my buddies who was a farmer uh, got us to read this book, and this book was about being homeless. And it actually had, even though he was a, you know, outreach worker for people that were experiencing houselessness, it had nothing to do with people that were poor and everything to do with transplants like myself. And talked about how we live in an era of society when we've moved around so much that so many of us are homeless, that we don't have an understanding of the land and the community because this isn't where we grew up. And talked about the power that can be reclaimed by learning and growing in this place, even if it's temporary. And I know some of us are here temporary. Friends, we can find God by knowing more about the land. So let's go plant seeds that they might take root, they might be nourished, and it might grow and weather the storms, and it might bear fruit. And let's pray that God does the same in our lives. Amen.